0: and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Bobbin, Logan Murdoch here. Raja Bell there. Howard Beck over there. Mm. Motherfucking Mondays.
1: How you doing, Howard? I'm doing good. I'm great. Things are uh, wonderful here in Brooklyn. I ran into um, one of Raja's old teammates from way way back last week, and I tried to get dirt, but Jose Calderon would not sell you out, Raja.
2: Wow, Jose Calderon. Wow. He was actually really helpful, bro. I was in. I've said this before. I was in Spain. I didn't know a- anyone didn't speak the language, was kind of like pissed. And Jose and Luis Scola and Andres Nocioni, Pat Burke, like it was a really good squad. But those dudes, without them, I would have lost my mind. So yeah. Jose, yeah. of course,
1: is working for the Cavs. They were here yeah. in Brooklyn on opening night. So I saw him, we were just chit-chatting pregame, mentioned the pod with you. And he says, yeah, you guys played in Spain way back when, it was like 2003, three, four, yeah. somewhere yeah. In there. Yeah. So yeah, so I, I did the thing that I would obviously do. Like, all right, cool. What do you got? What do you got on Russia? He, <laughs> whatever he's got, he's not giving it up. Um, he did say he said to ask you about the coach. He says the coach was crazy.
2: Yeah. Hit, so <clears throat> the coach's name was Dusko Ivanovic, and my agent prepared me like it was the most lucrative deal I had, and he was like, look, but the guy's a little quirky. Like he's, you know, he's he's got kind of a nickname of being the the Yugoslavian um, Bobby Knight. I'm like, oh, I'm good. Don't worry. We're good. We'll go. We're fine. I just got done playing for Larry Brown. Uh did, did not do Dusco any uh justice. He was a, a very, a very like strong fist, but like crazy stuff, man. Crazy, crazy stuff. And so it became evident really quickly, if I wasn't like homesick and just pissed for being in Spain, that I did not want to be there any longer
1: because I did not want to play for Dusco. <laughs> <laughs>
2: And, but and he's legendary though. Mind you, he's a great coach. Just yep. was, I just was it was not somewhere I wanted to be.
1: No throwing chairs, at least, I
0: hope.
2: No, no, no. Throwing people <laughs> out of practices, um, like a lot of different stuff, but
0: no throwing chairs. Did you have beef with him at all? Like, did y'all ever have beef?
2: Nope. Nope.
1: We were nope. good. Yeah, because uh-huh. I played hard okay.
2: and 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 so one of the first things that happened that kind of got me on the wrong side is my knees were sore and we we went to practice one day and you know, in Spain. You don't just go to practice, but like there might be like a three mile run through the wilderness early in the day, and okay. and then you're coming to practice, right? So I'm already like, what the fuck? So we're in there, and my knees are sore, and I just want to get some shots up and like ease into it. And one of the first things we did was a game where you run around and it's like tag, but the base would be like me. So you'd have like a seven foot person run and just jump on my back, and if he did that, he was safe. <laughs> And I'm like, yo, no, okay. I'm not fucking, I don't want him jumping on my back. And so we got into an argument, like, I don't know, this was like probably the fifth day of practice about like seven footers over 275 pounds running full speed and then like launching themselves and landing on my back. And we could agree, <laughs> okay. we agreed to disagree about whether that was good for me or not. <laughs> oh
1: God. That seems like a bad idea. Like Even in it, it, 2004 or whatever, I think we should have known as a, a uh, society that was a bad idea yeah. for pro athletes to do.
0: Anyway, to Jose I said, what's up? My favorite pastime now is going to, like, former coaches of Roger Bell or and players of people that know Roger Bell and tell them I don't know Roger Bell. Like, over the weekend, <laughs> I, too, I saw two of your old friends. Um, on Friday, I saw Alvin Gentry. Ooh. Met him. Um, I bet Alvin's got dirt. Oh, he's got I, dirt that I will tell offline, but <laughs> <laughs> cuz you know Alvin's dirt be like, so, "So like, damn Alvin, what the what?" Um, and then I saw another old friend last night when I went up to Sacramento. Um, uh Phil Handy. Oh, who says hello, who also says hello and sends his regards. He back. does not have dirt on you. No, um, no, I mean, he me. he at least he probably does, but will not divulge it publicly. Um, uh, cuz he's from the town and we don't do that. But um Went up there to, uh, to, I went up to SAC yesterday to go see another one of Raj's old friend, LeBron James, um, who was, this will make, uh, Howard feel old. Yesterday was 20 years to the day of his debut in Sacramento, October 29th, uh, 2023. 20 years to the day that was, uh, same date on 2003. So all that to say, LeBron is getting a little long in the tooth. And, um, Pre, pre pod, me, Kermit, and Howard were just talking about just how he looked. Cause I think Kermit's seen him in person already against Phoenix. And I got to see him last night and he looks like a, he, he looks mortal at this point, I think. And I know it's really early in the season. Um, but they're putting him on a minute. Uh, Darvin Ham is talking about putting him on a minutes restriction. Now, I don't know how long that is going to be, but wants to get him in the low 30s. Um, last night, he was not able to do that because the the uh lakers went into overtime against the kings he played 39 minutes um my question and i want to start with with howard on this from the, from the president point of view how does a guy in his 21st season how can he be expected to lead a, a championship level team in this deep of a western conference i i i and paper, this team looks great, but when I see them in person they look it doesn't look like a team that is ready to I, make a deep don't run is one great. thing, but to they don't look great two. on paper.
2: Yeah, they look great on paper. They're They're no, deep they don't, They're deep as no, they don't. no, they don't. No, they don't, you don't do think that. they look great. No, they don't.
1: They got it. No, when you gotta... see the names, Raj, you see LeBron and AD, and you see some some really good role players. You go, yeah, that looks good on paper.
2: That Looks cool. good on paper. They got some no? OK role players, and they have <laughs> an aging like superstar who is still, I think, a little better than mortal, and one of the most untrustworthy like superstars on the planet. Like that ain't
0: great. So how does he lead that, Roger?
2: No, go ahead, Howard. I'm sorry, but I just wanted to make that like yeah. shit. Hey, that
1: ain't great. <laughs> <laughs> fucking torched, torched the premise right off the bat. Lit the host on fire. <laughs> <laughs> there,
0: there. Oh, yeah. Forget. This is new. This is you're new here, Howard. Welcome,
2: Howard.
1: This is, this is the game. Welcome to the show.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was on my best behavior the first couple of times. Let's go. You you, you know
1: you notice I immediately took up for Logan, Roger. <laughs> yeah,
2: I know. I saw that.
1: Um. I'm going to, I'm going to give some benefit of the doubt here to all parties, LeBron and the role players that you just torched, Raja. Um, we're, we're a couple games in. I'm, I'm not one for overreaction theater. Um, even though that's what we do in the NBA podcasting world this time of year. Um, like let guys get their legs under them. LeBron played none of the preseason, basically. Uh, what did he play? Like the final game of the preseason, something like that. He was basically just, you know, you know, we, you know, Biden his time. Um, I, I think this team is going to be fine. Are they going to be contenders as some of us? I, I will throw myself in there. I thought and still believe they could be in the mix at the top of the West. They've got some stuff to work out. And yeah, a lot of it's going to depend on the exact premise that Logan opened up with is like how much of LeBron is still there. And like the numbers suggest in limited minutes that he's still pretty effective. But when you watch him and we were talking about this offline before we we hit record on this pod, watching him is the disturbing part, right? Because you don't see the same level of just explosion and pop and that, that intimidating sense. Like LeBron is settling for a lot of threes. I've got the numbers. I'll, I'll, I could jump into those in a second, but like he's certainly settling for a lot of threes and deeper jumpers and not attacking as much when he does attack. I can't, he dude could still get to the hoop and I don't think anybody wants to get in his path. So Um, he's just not attacking as often, but also we're a couple games into the regular season of year 21. If he's going to be unleashing what, you know, the best of him, what he has left, what he needs to do to impose himself on a game, that's going to be in like, you know, April, maybe May and June if they get there. It's not like I don't expect we're going to see him completely unleash everything he's got in October. So I'm going to withhold judgment on how much of LeBron James is still there as we see the opening days of of year 21. He has defied all logic, all reason, all physics, all biology up until now. I know that there's a limit even for him, but he's still a really effective player. If they're going to be contenders, though, yeah, it goes to what Raja was saying about Anthony Davis, which is basically like Anthony Davis has to be reliable. Anthony Davis has to be a superstar. Anthony Davis has to be the young star who has taken the torch and is carrying more of it. And I don't think anybody in the NBA trusts him to do that.
2: Yeah, look, I agree with every single thing you said there, Howard, except one, and I will get to it. Um, I I I think that they can be a very good team in the Western Conference. Like I think LeBron still can be great in spurts, um, and even when he's like not at superhero LeBron powers, is still phenomenal. I've been one of the people that that have been on record as saying like, I, I won't bet against a LeBron led team. And I still kind of feel that way. And, and having said all of that, you know, I think your best, you, you know, your, 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 the point I agree with the most is like, that can all be true. And if you don't have a guy that can supplement him in a way that you trust, and it can be consistent and it can be at a very high level, it could still, it could still be all for naught. like, right. And, and I, I will say, I will say that, that, you know, I didn't mean to throw shade, like being a a good role player in the NBA is not throwing shade at anybody, but I don't think they have guys that are like, man, that's, that's a really dope bench. Like personally, like I could be in the minority, but they're good players. I mean, no shade thrown at them. What I would disagree with is this. I know LeBron didn't play a lot in the preseason and he's probably biding his time. But every time you lace them up and get yourself ready to play and go out there and play any modicum of time in an NBA game, it makes it less likely that you can tap into that superpower power six months from now. And those are just little in little fractional increments. Right. And so, you know, like, yeah, I think LeBron might be able to summon it in a couple games, but asking him to have to summon it in like enough to win a seven game series without a reliable, consistent number two that on any given night can say, LeBron, just chill, I got you. Like, that's unrealistic.
0: And it's even like, like he was showing his age even post-game, right? Like, I don't even, they play Orlando, the Lakers play Orlando tonight. And I don't know if LeBron is playing. We'll see what happens. But on the day-to-day, like, and I guess this this goes back to your point, Raja, on the day-to-day, you can't necessarily rely on him to play a week straight. So but how does that affect rhythm, especially during the start of the season? Or do you think the Lakers are a team that can you know, they played together last year, got some continuity, but are they a team that can, you know, similar to the nineteen Raptors who can uh kind of just interchange their superstar in and out and they will they can weather the storm. Do you think this is a team set up for that?
2: Well, I think it's gonna
0: have to be to some
2: degree. Um you know Le- lebron's averaging 34 minutes a game right now like that's not going to happen look at look at the last what four years as a as a as a kind of blueprint of what he's going to need to play this year and then just kind of factor in for a little bit more age like he's going to have to miss time hopefully it's not due to injury but it's just you know penciled in in a way that's smart and and well thought out that he can rest and 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 have him you know kind of navigate the injury bug better and so if that's already you know, baked into the pie from start. Yeah, they're going to have to be a team where, you know, other people around LeBron figure out. And again, I, I don't, this isn't a bashing session. It's not a bashing session, but like, you know, D'Angelo Russell is going to do what D'Angelo Russell does. Austin Reeves is going to do what Austin Reeves does. Like Leandro Barbosa, Boris Diao, Eddie House, Raja Bell, like Aaron McKees, the role players on teams I was on, we do what we do. But someone has to be the breadwinner in LeBron's absence. And if we can do what we do, and if you don't have someone breadwinning consistently, it it could just be a train wreck. And so they're going to have to figure out how to make sure the AD is consistent, whether that's putting him on places on the floor that they think are are going to help him be more consistent, or whether that's, you know, I don't know, just having frank conversations over and over and over again about what this needs to look like when LeBron's not here. But yeah, they're going to have to figure out how to play without him. And AD's going to have to be the champion of that. And then role players are going to have to do a good job. And they might have to step out of themselves, you know, to a six to eight point, you know, per game average when he's not there to help supplement. But yeah, it's going to have to look like that, Logan, just because like LeBron, LeBron is not going to be able to play 34 minutes over the course of 75 games.
1: It's, it's, just, it's just playmaking though, right, Roger? Like that's the thing, like LeBron is such... He's the the absolute hub of every team he's ever been on and his scoring is really important but it's the playmaking that uh interplays with that right the play playmaking sets up the scoring the scoring sets up the, sets up the playmaking and when you're second star not only is Anthony Davis oft injured and sometimes unreliable but he's also like he's not a playmaker like he's 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 a cla- I don't want to say classic big man cuz he's he's more of a modern big man but he's not Nikola Jokic you know he's not the hub of your offense in that kind of sense and so to me, th- this is a lot about the two guys you named, D'Angelo Russell, Austin Reeves, and Austin Reeves is off to a really rough start. They have obviously very high expectations for him. Um, and so to me, like the whole season, if if LeBron is ratcheting back either in minutes or just overall load, how much responsibility, how much playmaking, like to me, it, it falls on D'Angelo Russell, who has a track record as, of being able to, to score and playmake at a pretty high level. Um and and it's about Austin Reeves like those two guys have to come through so that Anthony Davis can do what he does and LeBron James can ratchet back a little and then if there's enough left there then, it, then you can get the other LeBron hopefully in the spring that would be that would be the the, the plan
2: so so here's what's really interesting about that and I love where, I love where you just went with that um, when Kawhi was missing when Kawhi was in and out because of the way that team was constructed they didn't change their style of play someone else just plugged in to the main iso guy that being Kawhi. But when he was out, like the rest of that team basically kind of played ISO ball, right? Like that that's the way they they kind of played and they lived by that. What's to you to your point? Like I watched the Lakers against Denver and I was what blew me away was like, you know, Denver has so much action that creates. Now they got guys that can go ISO, but the action just puts you in such a bind defensively that guys wind up with with all kind of open looks. The Lakers have very little action. Like it was like LeBron AD, LeBron AD, LeBron AD. And so to the point that you just made, If LeBron's not there and AD isn't a facilitator and an orchestrator, then what you're going to have to do as a team is play different when he's not there, which means you're going to have to be in more sets. You're going to have to be in more, you know, uh, things that have a little bit more continuity. So some of those other dudes, um, can get off because, or maybe it's just pick and roll, but like, I don't see, you know, some of those guys operating to the level that some of the Raptors did in just pure ISO space. If that makes sense.
0: That's the conundrum, though, with with playing with LeBron, right? Or playing with – it's similar to like when – and Howard could probably attest to this, but it seemed like when you – remember when Kobe was the leader of the offense and if he was out for an extended stretch, they would go more – Phil Jackson would go more to the triangle? It, it seems like those two types of different teams, right, where you do that. I don't do – you, if you're, you're a role player, Rob, how do you – adjust to that on a night-to-night basis when you don't know like where your mindset in that way where one day you might be playing within a a system where the guy the ball is humming and on other nights you have to adjust back to I'm I'm now standing in the corner and I'm I'm around pick and roll.
2: Yeah. Well, I think it's really important to practice like that. Like so for me, you know, it it's harder to play um, seamlessly and have things go right in a continuity-based offense if you don't work on it a lot. Like you can always just stand in the corner if you have one of the best players on the planet and wait for him to throw you the ball. Like, you know, it might be frustrating because you're not touching it a lot of times if you're not one of the recipients of the passes, but anyone can do that. So I think the answer to your question, I don't know if it's a good one, is like we've got to script practices in a way that we are playing like that a lot in practice. So LeBron leaves the floor like we every time he's not on the floor, we're gonna play like that, so that we get conditioned to understand it. Everyone understands the roles within it. I start to figure out where I'm gonna get shots, like how I operate within this because it, it it's it's different, and then it's an easier thing to just say, all right, he he's back. We're gonna strip, you know, the offense down a little bit. We're gonna go high pick and roll right into an ISO for either LeBron or AD. Everybody, hold your position, be ready to fire. Like, that's an easier thing to do, but to learn how to play in those Phoenix Suns offenses, it was, you know, people just saw it and thought like, oh man, that's easy. No, fuck no, I wasn't. Like, I had to be programmed to do that. You know what I mean? I had to be programmed. That was practice after practice after practice after practice after practice of committing yourself. What Golden State does is, is I've, been, I've been at their practices, but I would imagine when they are practicing and working, they are working on those actions like at repetitive nausea So, like, it's like, hey, man, we know this dance like the back of our hand. And that's what you have to do if you're going to expect to play like that when he's not there.
0: That's that's a good point. Howard, from an organizational standpoint, talking about the Lakers here, uh, LeBron has a player option for next season. He could decline it. He could could take it on. Or, you know, the way he's talking, this could be his last season. I don't believe that. I think if LeBron goes out, he's going to want the retirement tour. But from a Lakers standpoint... How are you approaching these next few years where it seems like you're in this purgatory of is LeBron going to be a top five player as the years get into the 20s? And then we have this guy, Anthony Davis, and then also we have the clutch influence, right, where they have infiltrated that organization in a way that I don't think an agency has ever done so. How do you navigate this as a Lakers front office going forward over the next few years?
1: Well, real, real quick, just to throw uh, one piece aside um, in the tradition of Rajaville, uh torching parts of your premise before answering <laughs> the rest of it. Um, oh, God. No, no, no. I'm just going to say, like, the agency, it, like, it, it infiltrating an organization, like, that's happened for, like, for decades like that's that's for years There's a, there's been plenty of times when when there's been like we, we joked about a certain G, um, agent being like the unofficial gm of certain teams yeah. at times it, it's happened sure. it's happened yeah. or i course.
0: mean even in knicks with caa right like even that influence even is there even, even more the
1: so there and it's a whole other level but anyway um but prior to that too and with other organizations and other agencies um the lakers were in a really tough spot but i mean it's like it's a tough spot that like who who has any sympathy for them like oh you're in a tough spot you've got one of the greatest players in the history of the game um and still playing at a pretty high level late in his career and you have to worry about what to do when and if he hangs it up um look they've got Anthony Davis who will continue to be a top 10 15 20 player for several years to come so if LeBron James like we're way ahead you know way ahead of things here but like if LeBron James hung it up at the end of this season decided to decline the option retiring whatever I don't think anybody believes that, but all right, you still got Anthony Davis. And I'm not saying you can build a contender around Anthony Davis alone. I think it's pretty clear at this stage you cannot, but they've got enough pieces around that are movable. They still have held on to some of their picks each year that passes. They get some of those picks back, right? It's a seven-year thing, right? Where you, you traded out picks and swaps in the Anthony Davis deal. And so for the longest time, you had nothing you could deal. And each year that goes by, you get a little bit back. Um, and I think they, they what they traded one away last year when they were doing the, the Russell Westbrook dump, but I, I think they'll be fine. Um, I would say they're always going to be a destination. But then again, they had all those fallow years where they couldn't get anybody to come play with Kobe. Once Kobe retired, they couldn't get anybody uh, to come for a while until LeBron finally signed up. Like, like th- th- it's not foolproof for any organization in any market, even the glamour markets, even the Lakers, the most glamorous team in the NBA. Just being the Lakers is not always enough. All that said, like they're they are stuck for the time being. They're, they're like again, no sympathy for for the Lakers being stuck with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and, and a pretty decent cast. Uh, but but you can't really pivot in the meantime. You 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 are you are on this course until you're not. And I think that's why they were so reluctant to part with any picks at all to get out of Russell Westbrook and to to refortify the now they did they finally traded one pick, not two. Um, but that's why, because they're, and this, this happens, right? We saw it with the Cavaliers the last year that LeBron was playing there. The Cavs had a pick from the Nets, which was supposed to be this great pick that was one of the ones they'd, uh, that the Nets had sent to Boston initially in the Pierce Garnett deal. The Cavs end up with it, it ended up being the, the eighth overall pick, became Colin Sexton. Did not change their world, but they would not trade that pick to fortify the roster around LeBron in his final season because they were worried that they needed that pick to rebuild after LeBron. This is the bind that you get in with an aging star, but that's just the cycle of the NBA. So um, I, I, I will say just a quick aside because I ran the numbers earlier. I, I want to get to these. Um, on StatHead, that's part of basketball reference. If you run the numbers on guys who played in uh, age 39 or, or, or later, I didn't want to do year 21 because only a handful of guys have ever even gotten to year 21. 21 but a lot of guys have gotten to age 39 because back in the day guys came in a little older right um players aged 39 or later so 39 40 41 and that's as of january 31st within that season is the cutoff only 86 players ever and only 47 of those guys played 41 or more games so half the season of those 47 only seven of them seven of them averaged over 30 minutes a game only three of them, well, I should say two, two guys. So this is age 39 or later, averaged 20 plus points. Michael Jordan, Crom Malone, end of list. LeBron James would be the third to do it. Um, usage rate, percentage of possessions that you use on, on, while you're on the court. Only two of them over 25. Reason that's important is you usually, if you're a star in this league, you're at usage of 30, 35 these days and probably minimum 25 if you're saying that, the, that you are the engine of your offense only guys with usage over 25 at age 39 or later again mj in that last year with the wizards and karl malone so that's it and lebron's at 28.5 usage right now um so it's it's, it's there's just very little precedent for this and lebron's already defied like we say all kinds of 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 odds and precedents and everything else but it is historically, it's just asking a lot of him to still be leading this team at a high level at this stage.
2: There is, look, ain't no way LeBron, however many years ago they traded for AD, there's no fucking way that LeBron sitting there then thought he was in this situation now. Point blank, period. Ain't no way. With this
1: much burden still on him. Ain't no way. Yeah, I agree.
0: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Roger has not been falling for the banana in the tailpipe for, from jump
1: from the start from jump. I
0: told you <laughs> from the start <laughs> since 2020 he was fed up already um what are reasonable expectations so far right now for the Lakers for you Roger are you are you are you what are you are, is this about where you thought they'd be or would you, did you think that they could be a little bit better did you think maybe
2: Well, no, look, let me say again, I'm not in panic mode. Like this isn't like a knee jerk to what I've seen through (laughs) three games. This isn't, that's not what I'm here to do. Like I think um, they, they could wind up being a really good team. I just am really concerned about how long they could be that team for, like because of everything we talked about in terms of LeBron's age, you know amount of time played what he will have to miss to stay fresh and the inconsistency of the other guy that that you would you would then rely on to get it done um i think they could be a good team i i don't see them as a championship team i see them in a tier that isn't like to be to be mocked or made fun of like r- below that like in a group of teams that could be fighting you know but i think ultimately you know it's going to be really hard for them to get over the hump and it reared its head last year in the playoffs. Like it reared its head. Like you were having, you'd have good games and they'd be right there and you think, man, yeah, I could see that. And then there's a dud because, you know, it's hard for one to get his body back up to, to really, you know, win the game for you. Like in, on back to back nights or, you know, this, the second night. And then the other one doesn't show up. And so that's going to bite them. It's just going to, it is what it is.
1: One parting thought, one parting thought. What if this is not the finished Lakers product? Changes everything. What if, what, if, what if there's a midseason trade for, oh, I don't know, the guy who's been trying to angle his way to L.A. for the last couple of years and is currently stuck in Dallas in a marriage of convenience that may or may not work out? Like The Kyrie thing is still on the table. It's out there somewhere. I'm not predicting it's going to happen. I'm, this is not a rumor. This is not a report. This is not sources say. I'm just saying – There's a reasonable thought expectation, not expectation, a reasonable curiosity that maybe that is still in the cards.
2: If that's what we're talking, Howard, Kyrie, James Harden, and I'm just throwing names out there, people of that ilk that that you know historically will get you a game, or you know are are just I like look, I like D'Angelo. I don't. I didn't mean to be like that. Like, who the fuck am I to be throwing shade? I was a career role player. My highest average was 15 points a game. Like I'm, that's not what I'm doing. But those dudes aren't like the guys you're depending on in playoff games to consistently win you games. You get me another one of those out there in LA to partner with AD and LeBron. We're talking. This is that changes everything. Yeah. Changes everything. And, I, and like, again,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I I wouldn't expect it. I'm not predicting it. And if the Mavericks get off to a good start over the first couple of months, they would be loath to do it. But we know that Kyrie wanted to play with LeBron again. We know LeBron wanted him in L.A. We know that Kyrie wasn't angling to get to Dallas when he made his trade demand uh, last season. And yeah, he re-signed because nobody else had the ability or, you know, or the means to, to sign him to the kind of contract he wanted. To. Like I say, it's a marriage of convenience. And we'll see how it works out. But the Lakers do have a decent collection now of movable players at reasonable salaries that you could combine and if you have to throw in another future pick or swaps or whatever, I'm just saying it's it's it's, well, it's a possibility out there. I'm not predicted, but it's possible.
2: I just well, I'll take that. And I'm not even a Laker fan, but I will champion. I will champion that. Let's put that out. Let's get that I'll out the, there uh, in the Twitter sphere. That's what I'll they the- <laughs> need. Make that move. Don't even wait. You ain't got to watch that. I'm telling you, hey, Palinka. I'm telling you right now, you ain't got to watch that shit. There's you don't gotta watch it to do what it's gonna do. You need to make the move. Make it.
0: Roger, of those of those two or three names you named, Kyrie. who would you want on the Lakers? Kyrie. What about you, Howard?
1: Kyrie Harden or who? Is there was there anybody else in that mix? I mean, Is there a who? I don't think I, there's, I don't I don't know think there's, there's a person no. on that. Yeah. I mean, we'll see who else shakes loose this season because somebody always does, but uh, between Kyrie and James Harden, I can't believe I'm saying this, but definitely Kyrie. On yeah. <laughs> <Definitely. laughs>
0: that note, Kerm puts in the chat, Kerm, Laker fan of the pod, says, please don't bring up Harden and the Lakers ever again. So we will stop on that. Um, let's take a quick break and we're going to talk about teams to panic for in the Eastern Conference. Wow. <laughs> Jump into the NBA action with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. Plus, all customers get 3 months of NBA League Pass courtesy of FanDuel when they place a $5 bet on the NBA. Looking at the Monday slate of the NBA action, and I think I'm going to take the over on Mavericks Grizzlies. I think I'm going to take the over on Wizards Celtics. I also think I'm going to take the the over on Warriors-Pelicans. You know what? I think I might switch it up one time and take the under on Buck's Heat. Why not? You can do all of that on FanDuel Sportsbook. That way you can watch all the action as you bet on everything from point spreads to player props. Best of all, you'll get paid your winnings instantly. So don't miss your chance to get $150 in bonus bets plus three months of NBA League Pass. Just visit fanduel.com Ringer NBA and tip off the NBA season right. FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. Must be 21 years and older and president select states. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days after receipt. Limit one pass per customer. Restrictions apply. See full terms at FanDuel.com. Backslash Sportsbook. NBA League Pass. Local blackout restrictions apply. And we are back. The panic watch continues. We are now going to Milwaukee. It's three games in, but you know we're here. What else are you going to do? Um, the Hawks went into Milwaukee and beat the Bucks one twenty seven one ten, and it wasn't even that close. The Hawks had eight players in double figures. Trey Young leading the pack with twenty and eleven, um, but he on thirty five percent shooting. Yuck. Um Dame Lillard was two of 12 for six points and a team low minus 29 plus minus. Um, the best thing, honestly, about this game was that Flavor Flav did the national anthem. But <laughs> R- Raja, my question to you, is this a symptom of we just got here and we're learning each other and these things happen when you put two players together? Or is this is this a something that we need to panic about? a few games into the season, a week into the season. No, well, Are we the Bucks cooked?
2: No, the Bucks yeah, the Bucks <laughs> cooked. That's fantastic. Um, there's no panic. Like we need to wait and see. And to your to the other part of the question, I need to wait and see. Like I'm not sure exactly what I'm looking at yet through two games. Like I can't, it's hard for me to tell you if this is if there's some symptoms with the roster or if there's some if there's some things philosophically that have been changed by 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 the new coaching staff that are going to be problems for the way they play. Like I don't know yet. I got to sit and watch. So for right now, I'm going to tell you that like look, 39 and 6 I think is what he had, right? Like 39 in his debut, Dame Lillard that is, and 6 in game 2. That just screams like I'm not comfortable here yet. And I don't think that's that's a crazy like thing to expect from a player like that trying to join forces with a, with a, with a, a Bucks team with Giannis that's been really, really successful. Like there is going to be a feeling out period. There's going to be an adjustment period. There's going to be a experimental period for, for them offensively to figure out how everyone works together on a night to night basis consistently. So that we don't have this variance in in output from, from a guy that's way too good of a player to do that. Right. And so, I think I chop it up to that at this point. Now, there are probably some things that, that that you've seen throughout the games that that may wind up being like, hey, man, we need to address that defensively or X, Y, and Z. But right now I think it's so early um that I'm gonna chalk this up to like, hey, bro, this this is just them trying to figure out it's gonna there are gonna be some games. There are gonna be some clunkers on along the way.
0: Howard, this is your twenty seventh season covering the league what when you see a new team how many games do you give them before you judge whether they're good or bad like how do you how do you and how does that and how do you go from your judgment to how do you apply that to this team right here
1: i mean nba people always say 20 25 games right like you get a month and a half two months into the season and at that point you kind of are who you are i think it's a good rule of thumb I mean I'm not, you know, like I've like, already 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 uh, made all my jokes about overreaction theater at the uh, the opening of the pod. Like I just the first week of the season we freak out about everything. Remember the year when like um the Sixers during the tanking during the process like I don't know went off to like a 6 and 0 start or something one year. Didn't that happen? <laughs> there was yeah. one year where they were like surprisingly good. Oh, look at the Sixers. They're on the no they weren't. Like no. No. Like just there's there's no point. Um, the Bucks didn't have Chris Middleton yesterday. I, like That's not the whole thing. And Chris Middleton has been missing a lot of time the last couple of years. Is probably going to continue to miss time. So it's actually fair to judge them without Middleton because Middleton being off and on is just kind of the state of things. But, like, they really want to be playing Jay Crowder 26 minutes a night because that's what he's doing so far. That guy didn't even play almost all of last season. Um, they're incorporating Malik Beasley. They're incorporating Dame, obviously. They've got some other new pieces. They're trying to to you know give a little more time to like Beauchamp. and um you know it's early and look the Hawks aren't a bad team like you know the, uh, the, you don't want to lose a home game to them but like the Hawks are a good team and you know new year to Quinn Snyder and um I don't know I, th- there's there's not a lot if I I'm gonna play Pollyanna glass half full Giannis Adikumbo made eight of his ten free throws. That's a good sign.
0: <laughs>
1: That's a good sign for them. Bobby Portis had a, had a strong performance off the bench, five of 10 from the field. Beasley in the spot start comes through with 18 points on six of 12 shooting, made yeah. four of his 10 threes. Um, the Bucks are going to be fine. I'm yeah. not, yeah, I'm not, I'm not
0: worried. Howard talked about just even for the quadrants, because I've heard that as well from NBA players, right? Like the first 20 games, you've said on the pod, the second 20 games, you always judge an NBA season in those quadrants from inside of the locker room what are what are those quadrants like what is this one like versus when we get to march and like just from an overall vibe standpoint what is the vibe check of those things not just for the bucks but for teams in general and how do you use that to get into the season
2: um yeah that's I mean, that's that's an interesting question look when you're playing you come out the gate and you come out the gate hot right um and you're winning games and you're winning games, and you're winning games, and you're winning games. Like at the beginning of that, you're waiting for the next shoe to drop. You're waiting for like, okay, well, this can't. Maybe this isn't exactly who we are. Like, let's, you know, let's let's try to keep it going, but probably, you know, because you don't know who you are at the start of a season. I mean, especially when you put a collection of of new talent together, right? Like, I mean, you got Giannis and the best players on the planet. You do, but teams that don't have that, like you, you know, they don't have necessarily the the all-star or tandem of all-stars that should automatically put you in a top four or five spot in your respective conference like you're just trying to see who you are and so in that first window of time like if you're winning and you're and you're waiting and you're waiting like by about 10 games you start to say well shit like you know we we, we ain't got to wait for 20 like this is what this is what it is expectations you know, then start to change, like under, understanding of what's possible changes, even before you get out of the first 20, right? Because you're like, no, nah, this ain't, this isn't like we ran off four or five or even to to, to Howard's point six, like we're 10, 11 in, we're 10 and one. And our loss was one where we could point to any number of things that we did wrong to lose the game. Like this is, this is sustainable. And so you can quickly like get into a space where you start getting hungrier You're like, oh shit! Like we might have grossly underestimated who we are. Let's let's get hungry, start owning this, and see what we can make out of it. You know, on the flip side of that, like if you come out, you know, as a team that it's underachieving in the first twenty, like you take the opposite approach. It's so crazy how perspectives will change things. You're like, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. We just we look. Let's hover around five hundred till we get things figured out. Like, don't want to be two and nine, like three and eight, like that. That's not good. Like now we're having team meetings and shit. Not now they're talking about the coach possibly getting fired. That's an ugly place to be. I've been there. But like we're hovering around 500, one game over, one game below. Now you're like, look, man, we just need to stay focused on like the message, stay focused on the details, continue to go in every day and practice and try to iron this stuff out. Because if we can get those right, like we're right there. Like by the nature of our record, we could go, we could go either way. So let's let's keep pushing to about that 20 mark, see where we're at then. Like we were five and six, you know, at 11, let's see if we can be at like, I don't know, uh, 12 and eight at 20, you know what I mean? And then, you know, let's just keep pulling away in a way that gets better. And so that's what you're doing in that first, you know, first 20, man, like trying to figure out who you are, if it's good, better than you thought, let's keep riding with it and double down. If we're not where we're supposed to be, we got time to fix it. You start getting up into the thirties and you ain't fixed it yet. I mean that's that's when people start you know <laughs> the early the early all star break hey man we gotta, um, we need a break from this shit,
1: Roger the Bulls had a players' only meeting after game one last oh, week Have you ever heard of that?
2: oh my god that is that is <laughs> not no bueno, no bueno,
1: that's I mean, gotta look, be a record
2: that's definitely a record. players only meetings I'm trying to think of any that were on a team. That was in a good headspace and wound up being really productive. And I really can't draw on one.
1: What's the earliest you were ever in a players-only meeting? The earliest in the season.
2: Well, it was definitely in Charlotte. Uh, it was definitely in Charlotte. I think um, Tyson Chandler probably called it. Um, <laughs> and I don't. I well, don't remember how early it was in that season, but it was relatively. It was relatively yeah. early in the season.
0: What is said in the players-only meetings? Street. What are what are what are what is said in the players-only meetings? Besides like you know stuff. I imagine don't a lot believe. of screaming,
1: a lot of cursing.
2: It's a uh, you guys Seinfeld fans?
1: Oh yeah, you
2: yeah. remember Festivus? Airing of grievances. It was the it's airing of grievances. I don't know where, <laughs> what day a Festivus airing of grievances, airing of grievances was, but that's essentially what it is. Man, you're in there. Um, <laughs> there there can be finger pointing um sometimes it's amongst each other in the room sometimes it's it's fingers being pointed collectively at someone that's not in the room but uh it's it's generally <laughs> not, like, it's generally never coming from a place of like hey everything's good here we just need to have a team
0: meeting so, wait so this is so fascinating because me and Howard we trying to, try to lock the code on team meetings all the time. That's how we break our numbers, right? But like, how does, how, like, so you, from the hey,
2: moment. Sorry, let me just pin it real quick. What's good, You know what a good team meeting is? What? We all went out to dinner and we shared a couple bottles of wine. That's
0: a good team meeting. Yeah, not we're in this fucking <laughs> random room in an arena that's cold as fuck after a shoot around.
2: When that shit happens and they've <laughs> labeled it team meeting, things are not going well.
0: So, how does it get from the point where y'all are, like, you know, talking and, like, airing each other's grievances out, right, to the point where you guys come outside and lie to us saying everything is okay? Like, how do you get from the first point to, like, talking to us?
2: No, I mean, that's, that's discussed in the team meeting, right? Like, when we leave the team meeting, <laughs> everything is fine. Like, we will come out of this, and the, the united front will be problem solved, grievances aired differences like um, gaps closed. We're ready to play ball. That rarely winds up being what, what transpires, <laughs> but that's what we're going to tell y'all. And we talk about that in the meeting.
0: Howard, what's been the best team meeting you've covered? And what was, oh, the, what was the most team asked. meeting in this shit? Yes.
1: I'm glad you asked. 98-99, uh, which is really only 99, because the lockout wipes out much of that season. They end up pressing 50 games into 90 days after the lockout. Um, and I'm covering the Lakers. They start off the season in a bad way already. Shaq and kobe are are already at each other's throats um Derek Harper, one of my favorite all time guys Derek Harper has been brought in as the 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 voice of wisdom um and if you guys know Derek Harper and, and listeners, if you've ever watched League pass at minimum, even if you were not alive to see Derek Harper play. He's on the broadcast, and you can hear Harp's voice, which I cannot possibly do an impression of because it's like so many registers down here. Like it's really low, yeah. and it's like baritone and it's it's suave, it's cool. Like
0: Barry White ain't got shit on Derek Harper, huh?
1: No, Barry <laughs> White th- th- got nothing on him. Harp's got like there's gravitas, man. Partially because of his career, right? He was like 34, 35 at that stage and had been around a while, respected, really smart, thoughtful player, natural leader type, right? But also, damn, that voice doesn't hurt. So The Lakers have a back-to-back-to-back three straight nights because this is how the league was going to get 50 games done in 90 days. Y'all should see the stink face on Roger Bell's face right now on (laughs) on our video here. Um, Back-to-back-to-back, and the Lakers were sent from – they started in Seattle, they went to Denver, and then back to Vancouver. Oh, God. Yeah, on three straight nights. And they lose all three. And so the game is over in Vancouver. We, the media, are standing outside the locker room waiting to get in. Usually there's like a 10, 15 minute cool off period. We've already talked to Dale Harris, who was head coach. Although, as it turned out, that was his last night as his, as head coach. <laughs> um, we're standing outside the locker room. It has not opened yet. We're waiting. We're waiting. We're on fucking deadline. Like, come on, guys, get the locker room open. what's going on. And you could hear the voices through the door. The one that I heard the most clearly Derek Harper, because that baritone was just resonating through the closed doors. I could mm. hear like harp was at these guys and we finally get in. We're making the rounds and we get to harp and we're like, so, you know, hey, you know, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to be like gentle about it. We're trying to be like polite, but ask the question, like, so what the hell's going on and what's going on with this team meeting? And, and I said at one point to harp, I said, you know, we could hear you right through the door. Like your voice is kind of carrying." and harp. It was just kind of fun. I don't know why I remember this from like 20 something years later. He said something like, well, so like, well, I'm like, How- I'm sorry, Howard, if I uh, you know, offended you by by yelling so loud, you could hear me through the door. It was like this weird apology. Like, I don't remember the exact words, but it was like Harp in this kind of wry way was apologizing for being so emphatic and loud that we could hear him on the other side of the door uh, of the locker room in Vancouver. Um, but yeah, the next morning. Del Harris gets fired and Dennis Rodman gets signed. And those those press conferences, by the (laughs) way, this is a story for another day. Those press conferences were back to back. Del Harris, heartfelt, sad, attended his own firing press conference. Only twice I've seen that in my career. Del Harris and Avery Johnson when he got fired in New Jersey. or Were were we already in Brooklyn? No, we were in Brooklyn by then. Uh, Avery Johnson being fired by the Nets. Dell Harris being fired by the Lakers—the only two times I've seen a head coach attend a press conference of his own firing. Dell heartfelt, extensive, as Dell tends to be, and then he walked out, and Dennis Rodman walked in, mm. and then we had a Dennis Rodman press conference. What so, a week! Correct? Like what
0: a fucking reporting
2: week. So in that that shit, aged me, man. meeting. That, I bet that shit did. D. Harper's just a phenomenal. Like he's great. Love that dude. Um, fingers were being pointed. At everyone. Outside the room, inside the room. That sounds like just a finger pointing like everyone was was under <laughs> the gun that night.
0: <laughs> Howard, we talk we had the Roger point of view of how you approach the quadrants of the season. From a reporting standpoint, when do you when is it time to lay the hammer down? Like I know if you were Chicago Tribune or like, you know, or or something like that after one game, you'd probably, you know kick their ass after players meeting one game but like on a normal team when do you lay down the gauntlet
1: so i'm like in the years that i was a beat writer like you're you're more news reporter than you are columnist so you're not you could do an analysis that's kind of like here's everything that's fundamentally wrong with this team that just cannot be fixed and it's hopeless something like that um but you're not like, it's not really the hammer, hammer. Like in the last 10 years, I've been more of just like, you know, roving national writer columnist. So, you know, I, I could just jump in and bury anybody at any time, I suppose. Uh, but as a beat writer and you, <laughs> you're kind of monitoring the rhythms, <laughs> rhythms of the team as you go. And, um, there are times you know, like stuff is just off kilter and there are times that you don't see it coming. Um and it can change quickly. So I don't know. I you you guys know me. I'm pretty measured and so like I don't I don't usually rush to judgment on these things personally. But um but you know like last season I, I thought, you know, like the Lakers get off to that what was it, 2 and 8, 2 and 10, whatever it was, 2 and something start. And all I kept thinking was, holy crap. They're they're like they're not going to abandon this this failed Russell Westbrook experiment. They're not they, they they didn't fix the roster in the off season. They're showing no inclination to do it now. And LeBron James is going to spend one of his last really good years on a dead team that can't make the playoffs. And so I wrote a big piece that uh, many folks um, with that organization were not very happy about. But I wrote a big piece in like mid to late December last year that was, yeah, past the quarter mark where it was like, if they don't do something, they they really are going to waste one of the last best years of LeBron's career. And I did some hist- same, same thing I did earlier in the, uh, the, the pod. Did a uh, stat head research? Uh, did some, ran some numbers? Try to figure out guys this late in their career still playing at X level, and and how many of them got to the playoffs, or how far they? Got. And like LeBron was like an outlier um, of being still that effective on a team that looked like it was going nowhere. To the Lakers' credit, they recovered. Not saying it was because of any of my writing or reporting, uh, but you know there was obviously a lot of pressure on them. I, I you know didn't need it from me, um, and they fixed things in midseason. They recovered well. Rob Polinka did a, did a great job. I thought he could have done so sooner would be my only standing critique. But um, they did what they needed to do. But that's there was a case where, yes, there were certain circumstances that I think made it clear to me at that stage of a season. Like, you know, you could judge what this is right now. We, we, we know enough to know that this is, this is headed the wrong direction.
0: Last question I have for this. Before we get out of here to Raja, what type of mental fortitude does it take to change the trajectory of your season in the way that Howard just described for a basketball team mid-season in that second quadrant going into the trade deadline? What kind of mindset do you have to have in order to be able to do what a Lakers team did last season or, you know, or, or any team for that matter? How do you what do you need to have mentally to get there?
2: Well, it helps if a, I mean, if you're a flailing team um, and you just, you know, can't get right, it helps to have some personnel change. It helps to have some fresh blood, like give it, you know, it, it just, it does because it gives you a renewed sense of anything's possible just because, you know, you don't know what you are now because you have this new piece and and if it's a piece of any real substance uh or a couple pieces that fill holes that everyone knew existed that's going to organically give you more hope like the things are possible now we've made we've made a move right so that helps if you're a team that doesn't make a move um personnel a co- a coach can do that too like a a change in in coaching philosophy if if it's if there's something going on where you know, I don't mean to beat the, the players only meeting thing, but like say we've had these meetings and everyone identifies like, look, this is a this isn't a player issue. This is a messaging philosophy issue. Like if we could just get someone in here that that would free us up and let us go to work. Like some Magic
0: Johnson, Paul Westfall action right or some, yep, yep, yeah? sometimes that sometimes that can
2: happen. And then the you know, the third case scenario would be just a team that that finds their stride, I guess, later in the season has just been kind of hovering. Um and then they just get it together. That type of team, Logan. That's I. It's. I mean, yeah. You got to have some tough-minded, competitive people um, in there. A lot of times, I think, in cases like that, you wind up with maybe some 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 situations within the current roster. If the roster doesn't flip, like you wind up trying and experimenting with some new things within that roster that might unlock a little bit more of a potential. Do you know what I mean? And it allows that team that may be kicking to another gear and you might have found something as a staff. But generally speaking, I got a job to do. And you got guys like myself and, and others that may be on a two-year deal or on a one-year deal or or whatever that are playing for another deal. And we're always out there. you know. Every time we get out on the court, we're auditioning for every team in the league because we're we're not locked into any big max deal. And so... Like there's a lot of pride people taking that, so you just stick with it. You keep going out there. There's never any quit, and so you know if you can wind up with a little shake up of maybe shit. Maybe we were playing a lot of man to man, and we were in old school terminology because very few people blitz now. But maybe we were in blitz where we're trapping pick and roll a lot up top, and we said, hey man, that's just not been good. Like so let's let's try to cover the turn or be in a drop coverage. We're going to drop that big a little bit and you get over and corral him and force him into this tight space and then he'll have to spray it out. We'll build back. Maybe it's something like that where we just change it and we're like, that's better. That helps. But there's got to be some ember of 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 like, of, of something that gives you a little renewed hope and a little restored faith and, and then that can spark, you know, kind of the rest of your season. But you just stick with it and you keep being a pro and you keep understanding it. Look, dog, I got to figure out where that next deal is coming from, and every time I go out here and lace these things up, somebody's got tape on me, and I want that tape to represent the best version of me it can every single time. I don't give a damn what's going on on uh, up in the front office or with the coach, winning and losing, or like real talk. Like I'm, I'm try to take care of this.
0: That was wise words from a decent man. Jeez, <laughs> that, that, Jesus, way to go,
2: hey dog. We trying to I'm trying to
0: eat. I don't got a degree. Uh, that was a sermon. I that don't have a, a degree, damn it. Hey, I got out of there. You ain't got a degree, but you got kids. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, but can you dig what I'm saying? Like, look, when I played, you know, I was a knucklehead in school, man. I didn't get that damn degree. Like, I had a lot of eggs in that yeah. basket, and I was very fortunate and blessed. So, like, real talk, that was, that was about, this is the only path I have to really feed these people. So, yeah. like... To the best of my ability, like we might be losing and it might suck, but I'm going to take my ass out there and try to put on.
1: That's why you got to jack up more shots, Roger. You got to get yours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> we I played with a lot of those too, Howard. I played with a lot of <laughs> those, man. <I> know, <laughs> this, will, this person will remain nameless, but I had a cat tell me, I shit you not. I couldn't even like, I couldn't even dignify it with a response. I just walked away. I was like, hey, man, you know, look, we could be so much better if such and such would just, you know, like we got to play a little bit of defense, man. Like if we could do that. And his teammate who was who I was trying to kind of get the message to him by talking about someone else. Right. Like without going at him and getting him defensive. His answer to me was, yeah, but sometimes asking somebody to play defense just takes away from their offense. I said, well, there, there it is. There it is, my guy.
0: Wow. Well, then, <laughs> that is a great place to end our motherfucking Mondays. Um, thank you for story time with Raja Bell. No thank doubt. you, Howard motherfucking Beck, for holding it down every Monday with us. We will see you guys on Thursday. Tap in. We are here Mondays and Thursdays. Ah, all the shits. Bye. Must be 21 years and older and in president select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with the Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888. 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1 800 9 with it in Indiana. 1 800 522 4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1 stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1 800 gambler.net in West Virginia or call 1 800 522 4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here.